Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to talk about, I'm going to, I'm going to tie this into Pentecost Sunday, but we're going to go the long way around to get there, okay? So we're going to, go, we're going to start with Isaiah 24. This kind of ties into what I, I talked about a few weeks ago when I began to speak about the concept of chaos and order. Anybody remember that? Y'all remember that? The world is in chaos. What we need is heaven to come bring its order back into the world. Amen. And we need we need God to establish his way, his kingdom life, his kingdom way, his order back into our world. And we can live in the order of heaven no matter how much chaos is around us. Somebody say amen. All right. So we're going to talk about this. We're going to I'm going to read, I'm going to read. All of Isaiah 24, it's a lot of scripture reading, but you can hang in there and pay attention. But I want you, there's this remnant in the middle of this chapter, there's this remnant of God's people, and it describes them. Now, this chapter is about the judgment time period. It's about the time whenever the cities were in chaos. That literally is one of the verses, the cities are in chaos. This this is a prophecy about how the world will be. uh, Everything that was good is now becoming bad. Paul said that, right? Evil is, uh, is called good, good, evil. And so everything in our world is, is jacked up. Somebody say amen. amen. I mean, when you can go to Target and buy a onesie that's um, homosexual pride created by Satanist. That's kind of weird. I mean, if you want to be a full-grown adult and wear a t-shirt, whatever. But why in the world would you make a onesie for a baby? I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like this, the world is kind of weird. It's never been, it, to me, it's not been like this before, okay? That's called chaos. All right? So we're going to read Isaiah 24, and it's describing chaos. It's describing a world of chaos. It says, Behold, the Lord lays the earth waste, devastates it, twists its surface, scatters its inhabitants. The people will be like the priest. In other words, everything's backwards. The people will be like the priest. The servant would be like the master. The female servant like the mistress. The guy who was the seller is now the buyer. The lender is the borrower. The creditor is the debtor. The earth will be, everything that was normal has been, is now jacked up. How many of y'all feel like y'all living in that world? Okay. So everything's backwards. Everything's not the way it was. The earth will be, verse 3, completely laid waste, completely plundered. For the Lord has spoken this word. The earth dries up, crumbles away. Mainland dries out, crumbles away. And the exalted of the people, the earth will dwindle. Verse 5, the earth is also defiled by its inhabitants, for they violated the laws, the order that God had established. Read that again. The earth is defiled by its inhabitants because they are the ones that, that, that rejected God's order and allowed chaos to come in. Does that make sense? This means yes. Okay, good. Okay. All right. They, they violated laws. They altered the statues. 
God's statutes, God's laws, His statutes, His precepts. We're so conditioned in, the, in, in, in 2023 to hear the word law and think like the, and think like the, the bad law, you know, the one that, that was all these rules and regulations. But really, if you, if you talk about the whole law, the idea of the law of God is His order on the earth. Now, when man alters the statutes, that's when problems come into play. But the law itself is good. You see what I'm saying? The law shows us our need for a Savior. That's a good thing. Okay, but my point is, is like the law gets twisted when man alters the statues. And he says, he's, you know, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees and like, dude, y'all are straining at a gnat. Like uh, you're, you're tithing down to your spices like crazy people, but your hearts are dead inside basically, right? right? And so like, when man comes and alters the, sta- the laws, the statutes, he takes something good, something that was placed by God to bring order into, the, into, the, into mankind to keep chaos away, and, and, and everything gets jacked up. That makes sense? So... Uh, they transgressed the laws. They violated the statutes. They broke the everlasting covenant. Covenant is good. Therefore, because of that, because of verse 5, therefore a curse devours the earth. Those who live on it suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth decrease in number. A few people are left. Verse 7 is this prophetic word that comes forth. It says, new wine mourns. Look at me, new wine is supposed to be happy. Right? But now new wine mourns. The vine, the vine that bears fruit, it's decaying. Everybody, everybody pay close attention. The joyful hearted, look at me, if this isn't a picture of mankind today, the once joyful hearted is like this. People who used to just walk around default mode, smiles on their faith, 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 that'll preach, smiles on their face, you know, a little hop in their step. They walk around and just, the joyful hearted sigh. Y'all see what I'm saying? Like, you see, this, you see the picture that the, that the prophet is painting at this time. Verse 8 says this. The joy of the tambourine ceases. Now, most of y'all don't associate this sound with joy. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> but some of y'all old timers do, right? Right, right. Some of y'all, okay, but, but see, like, there's this, there's this thing. Look at me. Remember when I talked about the, the remember the sermon I preached where the, the women led the procession through the Dead Sea? And they were prophesying and singing and with this merry, joyful heart, shouting the God of victory, right? Woo, yeah, getting it. And, and, and here's, here's the, the, the gaiety, the joy of the tambourine ceases. The noise of revelers stops the joy. Everybody say joy. There's a theme being, a, the theme is this. Where there once was joy, it's ceasing. Everybody say Joy. The joy of the harp ceases. They do not drink wine with song. There is no, there is no such thing as. Uh, don't think of it. Don't think of this verse as like some South Arkansas drunken party. Think of this. Think of this verse 
as Jesus's first miracle, turning water into wine at a wedding. That makes sense? They don't drink wine with songs. Strong drink is bitter to those who drink. In other words, the, the festivities, the enjoying life and enjoying God, all that stuff is, is, is becoming bitter. Verse 10, the city of chaos is breaking down. Every house is shut up so that no one may enter. Such a weird verse. Go back to, listen to me. If I would have stood up to you in uh, May of 2020 and said the city of chaos is broken down and every house is shut up that no one can enter. <laughs> Sorry. I need a paper towel. Whoever brings me coffee, shame on you. Okay. Sorry about that. All right, so verse 11, there's an outcry in the streets concerning the wine. All, everybody, everybody read this out loud. All joy turns to, did that not describe the world we live in right now? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand, let me know. I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching to a wall, okay? The joy is like gloom now. I mean, again, when I was growing up, by default, when you met somebody, they were your friend, and it had to be proven to be your enemy. Now you meet somebody, and they're your enemy, and maybe over the course of time, we can, they can show themselves to be your friend. That makes sense? Like there was just this pleasant joy that was operating as default mode in the heart of mankind, and, and that, all that seems like it's just turned to gloom. I'm all the time telling people, stop being negative. Stop whining. Stop complaining, Right? It could be whatever it is in your life, your job, your, 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 I mean, everything. Like complain, we complain about everything. It's like, hey, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. If we make the same noise the world is making, how then are we different? It ain't even, it ain't even necessarily our words. It's our attitude expressed in, So when joy turns to gloom, that's, that's the atmosphere of the earth that the prophet is prophesying in Isaiah 24. The gaiety, that word is joy of the earth, is banished. And I'm telling you, I believe there is a spirit from hell that has come to banish joy off the planet. Desolation is left in the city. The gate is battered to ruins. For so will be in the midst of the earth among the peoples, all as the shaking of an olive tree, as the gleanings when the grape harvest is over. Now, skip down to verse um, 16. Skip down to verse 16. But I say, the prophet said this, Woe to me, woe to me, alas for me, the treacherous deal treacherously. The prophet's looking and saying, I see the treacherous do treacherous things. Does that make sense? Uh, evil people are doing evil things. Okay? Uh, verse 17, terror, pit, snare, confront you, you inhabitants of the earth. 
How many y'all? How many y'all know? There's more terror. There's more. Seem like everything's a trap on the earth. That makes sense. Uh, listen to me. It, it's just like this. Everybody's playing this game of got you. Everything's a trap. Everything's a snare. You can say the most innocent. We live in a world where you can say the most innocent and pure thing and be crucified for it, because everything's a trap. Everything's a snare. You as a, a business owner. I mean, there's so much, you feel like you have to walk on eggshells, right? Because, man, everybody's an activist today, and they'll get on social media and just run your business to the ground just because you said, uh, Happy Easter. Verse 18. Then it will be that he who flees the report of disaster will fall into the pit. In other words, there's no place you can run. Right? Remember back? Remember you would say, "I just want to. I just want to. I just want to live in some cabin in the backwoods of Colorado." Right? Just want to get away from it all. The scripture says, "There's no place you can run." The one who climbed out of the pit will be caught by the snare. Let's say you run and you fall into a pit. Well, you got out of the pit, but you got caught by the snare. The windows above are open and the foundations of the earth shake. The earth is broken apart. The earth is split through. The earth is shaken violently. Verse 20, the earth trembles like a heavy drinker. The sways like a hut. Its wrongdoing is heavy upon it. Man, it, listen to that. The earth has this drunken stupor and the wrongdoing feels like this heavy weight on creation. Does that not feel like the world we're living in now? I promise this is not going to be depressing all day. And it will fall, never to rise again. So what will happen on that day that the Lord will punish the rebellious bangles of heaven on high and the, earth, and the king and the earth on earth, the kings of the earth on earth, and they will be gathered together like prisoners in a dungeon. They will be confined in prison. And after many days, they'll be punished. And the moon will be ashamed and the sun will be put to shame. For the Lord of heaven's armies will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. And his glory will be before all the elders. Somebody say Maranatha. Yeah, that didn't go over well. So there's this whole chapter, these 23 verses of gloom and despair. Joy is fading. Joy is panic, perishing. Joy is being banished. But then right in the middle, sandwiched between two pieces of bread of, of how dysfunctional and chaotic everything is, there's this meat in the middle that describes the people of God in the midst of this world uh, this climate this, of the, how the world is. Let's read those verses. This is what the believers look like in the middle of how that world is. Go back to verse, I believe it's um, 14. They, everybody say, I am they. That's a terrible thing to say. But I mean, let's say we, okay? We, okay? They raise their voices. In a world that's telling you to shut your mouth. They raise their voices. But listen, it's important what you say when you raise your voice. I'm here to tell you, don't be quiet in the world we live in. Don't shut your mouth. Don't get silent. Because if you get silent, the rocks will cry out, the scripture says. Don't be quiet. But don't say just the opposite of what the world says. Because then you're just playing their game. 
It's important what you say. They raise their voices, and where there is no joy in the world, there is a people with a raised voice, and joy comes off their lips. And I'm here to tell you what the people of God look like in the midst of the chaotic world is the first thing that Isaiah says is they have a loud voice and it's joyful. And that's what separates. Look at me. That's what separates the people, the lost people and the people of God in these days. Doesn't say that that their situation was comfortable doesn't say their situation was pleasant. They're living in the same world everybody else is living. It's not pleasant. It says their voices were joyful. And I want everybody to hear me. If we go back to the fruit of the Spirit, right? Somebody name them. Somebody sing the song. Love. Every one of those fruits of the Spirit, we understand as the Spirit is an imperative. If you don't have love, love. If you're not patient, be patient. If you're not gentle, be gentle, right? But it seems like we treat joy as the one thing that either you have it or you don't. But there's no imperative to go get in it. Does that make sense? So either you're happy or you're not, or you're full of joy or you're not. And our our, 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 our situation dictates our joy. It doesn't. Joy is much as imperative as love is in the, in the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is much as an imperative as, as humility is and, and grace and peace and all these other things that the Spirit does, okay? The people of God raise their voice and they shout for joy. It's not a quiet joy. It's not a, it's not a calm joy. It's not a reserved joy. It's a very violent and loud, roaring joy. When Look at me. You should live in the midst of these days that when people walk away from encountering you, they go, then joy just screams off their life. It's going to be a short day, isn't it? When I'm around them, they're, they're so full of the Spirit of God, joy just screams off their life. Right? Remember back in high school when you was in chemistry class and there was that little shower in the corner and if, if you got chemicals all over, you had to go get in the shower and pull the lever and like you needed a chemical bath, right? Remember that? Right? Some of y'all, when we get out of your presence, I feel like I need to go get in one of them chemical showers, and get, right? And the point is, is like, that kind of harsh, maybe not. But my point is, is like, my point is when people walk, people didn't walk up to Jesus and walk out of his presence going, man, that guy was kind of a bummer. Kind of a gloomy guy, wasn't he? Only person Jesus was uh, unpleasant to was the religious. Everybody else, sinner, saint, doesn't matter. When they left his presence, they left full of something. Peace, joy, life, right? They raised their voices. This is the people of God in the midst of a chaotic world. They raise their voices and they shout for joy. They cry out from the west concerning the majesty of the Lord. How great is our king? They got got something to say. And what they have to say isn't just the exact opposite of what the bad sides have to say. They have something, a higher level of speech. A higher level of understanding. You can say, world, whatever you want to say, but I say, joy, 
Glory to God in the highest, right? Uh, our king is king of kings, and our Lord is Lord of lords. He is majestic in all his ways. That makes sense? Okay, verse 15. Therefore, glorify the Lord in the east, the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, in the coastlands of the sea. Verse 16. And listen to me. From the ends of the earth, the people of God are singing. The earth hears. Boy, you got to. What does the earth hear from this body of people? Is it sound like the gloom, the earth? Does it sound like the same words the earth is speaking in? But literally, the, the, the prophet said, the earth hears the people of God. Look at me, and this is what they say. Sing glory to the righteous one. Glory to the righteous one, right? And they're singing and they're glorifying God and they do it with all joy. Man, I'm trying to think of a time when two guys may have been under extreme chaotic situations and persecution in a very chaotic world and they were so full of joy, they begin to sing and all their prisons begin to break loose. Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't matter. The character of the saints is the same from generation to generation. Full of joy and full of song. So I want to talk about three ways we can be joyful. And I want to say this. What does it have to do with Pentecost Sunday? The joy of the Lord is a fruit of the and we can talk about speaking in tongues and prophesying and signs and wonders and miracles and faith. We can talk about all that stuff. But I'm here to tell you what the world needs to see right now is the manifestation of the Spirit expressed in joy. According to Isaiah. Amen? It's just as spiritual as praying in tongues and prophesying. Is your life walking around expressing exuberant joy for the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Why? Because it's so much different than all the, 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 it's so much different and it's so uh, something that the world cannot offer humanity. Only God and his people can offer them joy. So three things, and that's going to sound like a broken record here because you've heard me say a couple of these things over and over and over and over and over again. First, we're going to talk about uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Joy is expressed in encouragement. You've never been encouraged by a negative person. Walk away from just somebody throwing up on you, attitude, you know, and man, that felt so good. They're just, you know, they're just so full of discouragement, it makes me happy. I mean, that's not come out of your mouth, has it? You see what I'm saying? Joy and encouragement are synonymous. Did you know that one of the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, was primarily given to encourage the saints? Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds in the middle of a chaotic world. Let us consider how we may keep everybody doing the good things. How are we going to do that? Number one. Don't forsake your own assemblings together. In other words, don't stop gathering together. And this is where everybody wants to harp on. The gathering together is only the vehicle for the next part. 
There's a purpose in the gathering together. The gathering together so that you may encourage one another. And you've got to do that all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. When I walk out of your presence, am I encouraged or discouraged? When you walk out of my presence, are you encouraged or discouraged? I'm asking God to make me a better encourager. I would love to have a service where I get up and preach five minutes. How many of y'all would like that too? (laughs) I'd love to have a service where I get up and preach five minutes on the gift of encouragement. And then literally for the next 45 minutes, all we did was walk around the room and just encourage one another. And you would go, well, that's not really having church. Actually, uh, gather yourselves together. Uh, do it a lot. Don't not do it. Right? And while you're there, encourage one another, encourage one another, encourage one another. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where there's prophecies and revelations and tongues and interpretation of tongues, all of it was done to encourage the body. There is something, the, the way, look at me, everybody look at me, the way that we maintain joy in the midst of a chaotic world is to get together and encourage one another, say, we can do this, we got this, hey, let's stay strong, everybody, let's stay strong, we got this, keep it up. That was why, it was why, this is why COVID was such a damning part of the church's history, because it separated everybody, and when you're separated, it's almost impossible to be encouraged. Encouragement comes from being together. And when we're together in the spirit, I mean, I can't tell you like how many times we're in moments of worship and my skin wanted to just explode with the with, with the bursting forth with praises of God because the, it, when we're together in the spirit realm, man, it's just, it builds the body up. I can't tell you um, how many times on a Wednesday night we'll have a Bible study and Clayton Hutchinson will text me about 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. Brother, that Bible study was just so good. Really fed my spirit. We went over Psalm 51 last week. The repentant psalm. Y'all know that one? That ain't a happy psalm. I get home, I get a text message about 10 o'clock at night. Clayton Hutchinson. That was awesome. And Don't get me started on people in the church world who only want to complain about things but never want to encourage people about things. Y'all out there? We should, like, uh, encouragement should be our native tongue. Building each other up. Loving on one another. When we see people who seem down, it is your duty as a believer. Don't just ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. If you saw it, you've been led by the Spirit. It is your job to go to people who are, uh, who are under the load of, that we talked about in Isaiah 24, that the earth is under this load, right? It's your job to see people and go and encourage them and build them up in faith. You, you got this. You can do this. The Lord is with you. Okay? So encourage. Everybody say encourage. encourage. Number two. Y'all are going to think I'm being kind of goofy. I'm not being goofy. Okay? Um, What's something synonymous with the concept of joy? Laughter. Well, what's so spiritual about laughter? We live in very serious seasons. We don't need to be laughing. Well, there is, there is an idea that we need to be sober. 
This is a, a, very, a very sober part of our se- a season. But all laughter isn't foolishness. Matter of fact, a lot of laughter is very holy. Let me give you an ex- a couple examples. Um, if you ask any of my kids, what's my most favorite sound on the planet? What is it, Jed? <laughs> he makes me look bad. Mom's laugh. Thank you. When mom laughs, it's like it, it's, it's my favorite sound on the planet. That's why I make her laugh all the time, just because it makes me happy. Not for about who cares about making her happy. It makes me happy. Okay, I love the sound of her laugh. Okay, it's like if Mickey Mouse and uh, I'm kidding, but my point is like she has this cool laugh. It's like ha 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 ha, right? And I'm like that's cool, right? Okay, and it's I love her laugh. Uh, this morning, this morning, this morning before church, um, Sherry had Cohen, and she was standing right here. And she was, showing him, she was showing him to Ray Lynn, and she was tickling his, his stomach and stuff. And you could hear Cohen, five months old, four months old, and he goes, he, he, the baby laughs. When the baby laughs, you have to be a dead person not to smile. I could take you to a full-blown, just most retrograde person on the planet, and Cohen could laugh, and they'd go, that's cute. That's the power of laughter. Scripture says this too. Scripture says in verse uh, in, in uh, um, Proverbs, I believe it's 15, 17, Proverbs 17, a joyful heart. Some translations translate joyful to uh, laughter, doeth good as a medicine. Anybody ever sick of this world? Take a laughing pill. I'm not talking about laughing about foolishness, but I'm saying if you if you have the if you can't say I have the joy of the spirit, but laughter never comes out of your mouth. God is funny. God's like, hey, I'm gonna take this grown man of the king, I'm gonna make him eat grass like a cow for a couple years. <laughs> I think that's funny, right? Okay, I mean, maybe that's a little warped, but I mean, just God is funny, right? Okay, joyful heart does good like a medicine. A broken spirit will dry up your bones. Hey, I didn't give you the scripture. Go to Proverbs 15, verse 22. No, verse 13. Proverbs 15, 13. You're going to read this first sentence, and I'm going to go, ooh. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. Some of you are like caught. I mean, that, that's, that, that sentence will preach itself. A joyful heart will make a cheerful face. Why? Because it's impossible to frown and laugh at the same time unless you're like an evil guy, a villain in a movie, like, right? I mean, but if you're, if you're laughing, your face shows it when you smile, right? You see what I'm saying? A joyful heart makes a cheerful face, but when a heart is sad, the spirit is broken. Twice, the proverb says, joy is good brokenness it breaks breaks you my favorite sound on the planet is missy's laugh you can make somebody's day enjoy listen to me i'm not talking about just being a goofball i'm talking about being so full of the spirit of god that people just are happy when they're around you laughter happens in your presence 
And this is the climate. Not to, you look, the idea is you're either happy and joyful or you're sober and serious for God. And the misnomer is that you can't be serious for God and be happy and joyful at the same time. It's a farce. Amen? I remember one time I was going through a, um, a, a time of uh, like depression. Just This is many years ago. I think I'm like 25. And, and, and um, it's a lot of, I felt like just my world. Anyway, it's, just, it's a bad, bad season. Bad season. And I remember being in church service one night. And I was, um, and I was sitting in the back and just trying to just get church done and go home because I really wasn't very joyful. I was in one of them places in life when I was in a funk. I was one of them places in my life when you was around me, you went home to take the chemical shower, right? And I remember I got convicted, and I and I so I went down to the altar, and I went down to the altar and look at me. And I'm sitting there praying. And my prayer looks like this striving, serious guy. I'm like, I need a touch from heaven. Give me a touch from heaven. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, God, come and touch me. Right? You see what I'm saying? And I'm like, and I'm like come on. I'm like super, super serious. Like, oh, right? like all this kind of stuff. And I've got my eyes closed. And there's, there's literally dozens of people on the altar. It was back in the day when revival was cool. Anyway, and there's dozens of people on the altar. And I'm praying in my gut. And I'm trying to be super serious. I'm trying to be super. I'm trying to get my mojo back for God. Get on fire for God again. And all this kind of stuff. And I'm just super serious. This old man in the church. Very strong old man. Walks up to me. I got my eyes closed. And, I had, and I, I'd gotten tired and put my hands in my pocket. And I was just kind of moping. And he came and grabbed me. Bear hug. Okay, and he picks me up off the ground. Back then, I was a little skinnier. Picks me up off the ground, and I'm thinking, okay, here we go. Here we go. Here comes this super deep prophetic word where he just reads my mail and gets me back on track. It went like this. I swear I'd have been abducted by Santa Claus. <laughs> and this dude, okay, a couple, a couple of seconds, I'm like, this is cool. Now let's get on to the real stuff. Yeah. This is nice when you're going to actually do the, the meat of this word. Dude held me and belly laughed for like, seemed like ever. 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time. They just belly laughed and belly laughed and just held me and hugged me and held me. And over the, over the, it's like, it's like just breaking down this hard heart where I begin to realize, God, what are you doing? He said, I'm just here to enjoy you again. It's been a while to enjoy your presence. It was laughter that broke that thing off of my heart. You think it's a coincidence that every beatitude starts with the idea of happiness and blessing? Blessed are the pure, and the happy are the pure in heart. For they shall inherit the earth. The people of God who inherit the earth are not the, the stowed up sad face people. Amen? Did I say something bad? I, did, I must have said something bad. My kids will tell me about it at lunch. 
Sometimes laughter is not appropriate, Talon. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Last one. Uh, actually, Psalm, Psalm 126 verse 2 says this. Our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Is this what you look like walking through our city? Laughing and shouting and talking about how much God has done for you. This is what the people of God look like in the world full of chaos. Amen? Just, just by, look, this doesn't have to be some kind of big altar call. Just raise your hand and say, and just right now, and just say, I've really been kind of crabby and uh, moody lately, and I, and I need to hear this right now. Just raise your hand. Let me know. Okay, good. You need to laugh. Well, nothing's funny. Oh, I, I beg to differ. Get in the spirit, and you'll find that some things are funny. Uh, the Holy Spirit makes people laugh sometimes. Well, that's that, you know, that's that weird stuff. Hmm? Hmm? I think you can, five minutes laughing with the Holy Ghost will do more to heal your soul than a thousand counseling sessions. Not always, but a lot of times. All right, next thing is this. I talked about encouraging one another. I talked about laughing, spent a lot of time on laughing. The last thing I want, oh, oh, no, 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 I got one more verse. Matthew chapter 5, just to kind of put this in a New Testament perspective. I talk about the Beatitudes, right? Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you. (laughs) Isn't that a weird statement? You're blessed, and you should be happy when people insult you. Hey, there's no no lack of insulting going on in our world. The world itself is insulting to our very intelligence. Right? There's no lack of insult going on in the world. Blessed are you, happy are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Next two words. Next phrase in matter. Verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. That word be glad there in the Greek is the same word for laugh. Rejoice and laugh. Do you know that sometimes when the enemy comes against you, uh, the psalmist, one of, the, one of the things I love about the psalms is a lot of times uh, the is, Israel's enemies would come against Israel and God would from heaven would laugh at them yeah. and scoff them. Yeah. Some of us need some of that moxie, that, that kind of attitude back when the hell comes against us, we kind of sit there and go, ha, ha, uh, no, 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 no. See, I know, I know how the story ends. Some of y'all need the moxie back, okay? Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and laugh because you know how it ends. Your reward in heaven, how it ends, will be great. You may have to walk through some times that are tough here, but I'm telling you, you can laugh now knowing that then you get more than you ever could imagine. In the, By the way, the same way they did the prophets and uh, who are before you. And then the last thing I want to talk about, and we can go home and grill burgers. I've never seen somebody, look at me, this is going to, everybody tuck your toes underneath your chair real quick. It's really hard to be joyful and great, or excuse me, and um, ungrateful at the same time. Joyful and gratefulness go together. It's really, look at me, it's really hard to find somebody who's walking in the joy that makes them look different from the rest of the world 
who's also walking in ungratefulness. Missy's been working really, really hard the last few weeks. And uh, I say lots of good stuff about her, but once in a while I use her for a bad sermon illustration. Been working really, really hard. And the other day she kind of, well, she was kind of, yeah, um, let me put this in. Grumbling and complaining, whining, griping, all all those ing words about how hard her job was and how this was and how this was and how that was and that's her job. And it's my job as a husband. Amen, it's so weird in here. To listen to the grumbling and complaining. It's not my job to listen to it and go, oh, you're so right. Your life is terrible. See, there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement when you agree with the right thing. There's a power in agreement when you agree with the wrong thing. And when people are grumbling and complaining and you put yourself in agreement with it, you have strengthened their resolve to see dysfunction in that area of their life. Preaching better than you're shouting right now. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about saying I understand how you feel and you can, you can sympathize with it, but you can't agree with it. And it's our job, one of the ways we encourage one another is that when somebody's grumbling and complaining, we say, hey, I hear you. I understand what you're saying. But the Lord says, let's, let's, let's take our eye, let's take our gaze, and let's put it a little bit higher. Because you can walk into that office on Monday morning, you can say the same thing everybody else in that office is saying. Or you can be different. And you can actually have the power to change the entire atmosphere of that room just because you walk in a little different. Sorry, babe. But I told her, I said, I said, hey, I said, hey, thank God for your job. Let's be happy. Let's rejoice. Right? This is, if we want to talk about all the things that separate us, and I'm, look at me, I am so willing to be known for signs and wonders and miracles and tongues and prophecy. I want all the Pentecost stuff. Somebody say amen. But I want to be known to be different because I have what the the, the fruit of the Spirit operating on our life. And one of those is a joy that literally makes us look absolutely different from the way the rest of the world operates. Amen? If we're going to reach people in our city, the city of chaos... It's not good because they're like, man, that person's so pouty. I want to do what they're doing. That person's so crabby and full of hatred and anger and disdain, and they're so upset about how the world's falling apart. I want to join them in their in their in their uh, whining ways. Or you can show them something different than the rest of the world is showing them. Joy. You ain't laughed in a while. Come with me. Let's go get with Jesus. We'll laugh. You, nobody's told you how God loves you and sees you. Come with me. I can encourage you in the Holy Ghost. I ain't talking about being, I ain't talking about being uh, just encouraging and laughing and, and uh, grateful in a non-spiritual way. I'm talking about a very spiritual, heavenly pointed way. But I'm saying somebody's got to say this stuff to this world that's dying and nobody's saying it to them. And it's us. 
It's us. You can't ex- I can't expect to go to Calion and drink fresh, clean water. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm talking about. I mean, I, I grew up on lakes where you could see 15 foot deep. I go to Calion, I put my hand three inches underwater. I'm like, it's gone. <laughs> right? You can't go to Calion and stick your face in water and go, I'm thirsty. <sighs> this is great. Fresh, clean water. In order to be able to give refreshing to other people, you got to be itself pure-hearted. Yeah. Blessed are the pure-hearted. You see what I'm saying? So you got to be full of joy. If you want joy in your life, it starts with Y O U. If your home is sad, if your home is full of of depression, all that kind of stuff, you make the decision to first and foremost be the be a source of joy in your house. If your marriage, if if, if there's bickering and fighting you stop pointing the finger and saying they're so angry they're so bad they're so bitter they're so and you start being joyful in your marriage amen if you're having problems with your children and they're they're, my children are always in a cranky mood they're always whining and complaining about something demonstrate what gratefulness looks like to your children and and expect them to do what you do amen paul said follow me as i follow christ in other words i'm going to imitate me as i imitate christ one time so show them the way so if you want to live in a world full of joy, then put joy in the world. For God will not be mocked. That whatever a man sows, that he shall reap. Amen? Everybody good and convicted? Praise God. So my prayer, my prayer for us all, my prayer for us all, is that we would experience Pentecost, a baptism of the Holy Spirit that produces joy in our life that makes us look so different than everybody else. I'm, I, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do this. Miss Patty didn't. Patty's here. Everybody look at Patty. Everybody look at her. She loves it when Miss Patty's the center of attention. Look at her. Was it Friday? Last Friday? Thursday? Huh? She said Thursday night. Last Thursday. I get a phone call. Her appendix is screaming at her. Rush to the hospital. How many of y'all ever had an appendix almost rupture? Raise your hand. It's terrible, isn't it? It's pain. Pain times pain. And so, and so there she goes to the hospital. End up taking her appendix out that night. I have yet to hear, I've talked to her every other day, you know, on and off. I've yet to hear her complain one time. Look, I'm the guy that if I get sick, bring me a bell. I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. You know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I'm like, Missy, bring me, I don't know, a straw, right? Okay, I'm that guy. I haven't heard, of, I haven't heard her complain one time. There is a, what I'm trying to say is like there is this way we do life. That we go through stuff. She wasn't. She didn't wake up on Thursday morning going, "Let's see, I should have my appendix removed today." Sometimes life comes at you. Uh, Missy said this yesterday because we were talking. Hannah is upset. Hannah is supposed to be gone on a missions trip today. Hannah is supposed to be gone on a mission. My hand is supposed to be gone on a mission trip today. And they called yesterday morning and said the whole mission trip had been canceled. And so she's real upset. Uh, she was going to uh, Arizona, New Mexico, to um, Shiprock, New Mexico, to, to be on a mission. And so she's obviously disappointed, right? And, we, and so to daddy and mama to make it up here, we took her to do the most logical thing, which is go to Russell and eat Chick-fil-A. 
all right, and let her do some college shopping. And so we're coming back from Ruston, and and I don't know how we got on the subject, but about emotions or whatever. And uh, and Missy made this statement. She said, "My emotions don't get to tell me what to do. My emotions don't get to tell me what to do." We all experience emotions. Somebody say amen. amen. But we live in a world where, where we, have, we, have, we have come to the idea that emotions get to dictate how we live. That's just not true. The Spirit dictates how we live. Somebody say amen. The Holy Ghost is the captain of the ship, and he gets to navigate this boat down that river in the way he sees fit, and we're along for the ride. In his character, in his, uh, his character, in his character traits, or how we are to live in the spirit, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness. You see what I'm saying? That's the way of the believer in the middle of a world of chaos. Stand up on your feet. Having said that about Patty, don't give her a big hug. I'm pretty sure she does not want to be uh, hugged right now. You can give Danny a hug. Trusting me, huh? I just want to make a little public service announcement. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but those uh, those 12-inch rulers, you know, you, everybody's got them at school or whatever, you need to get to the hardware store if, if you want one. Because I just want you to know they're not making them any longer, and you might need to go get one. And um, it's, a, it's a dad joke. Oh, I'm not making any longer. Okay, I got you. That was good. <laughs> come here, Talon. You got, come here, Talon. Talon's got dad jokes. Come here, Talon. We'll put Talon in the spot. Did we really close out the service telling dad jokes? <laughs> what did one ocean do to the other ocean? It waved. Come here, Sherry. That was terrible, Talon. That was terrible. What did, never mind. There are two flies in the kitchen. How can you tell which one is a cowboy? It's on the range. Lord, we tried and we failed. <laughs> Father, I thank you for a group of people who love you. And I thank you. Look, I thank you for, in all, in, in 100% serious, I thank you for a group of people who will embody those middle verses of Isaiah 24. That'll be us. Somebody say amen. amen. That'll be us. Amen. So I pray that you would feel on the day of Pentecost by the Spirit, fill your church with joy, encouragement, laughter, thankfulness. Fill your people with joy. May we demonstrate the kingdom of God in a chaotic world. And everybody in agreement said, Amen.